We're going to do a a word study today. I know that's kind of an unusual thing for us. We usually do a passage and go through it. Um, But when we decided to do these Selah sermons as kind of a break and so on, not too long after that, I was thinking about what, what I thought God wanted me to do with this. And this came up. And I think, I think the timing is perfect. As, as perfect as, as my timing can ever be. But I know God's timing is perfect. So anyway, it's a word study uh, of the word in uh, the Old Testament, Hesed. I'm probably butchering it. It's hard to say, but that's the word, hesed. For Christmas, my sister gave me a book by Michael Card titled Inexpressible, Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. And as I began to read, the immensity of the meaning of this word sent me down a bit of a rabbit hole. Now, don't worry, I didn't take any pills because one just makes you larger, one just makes you small. The ones that mother gives you don't do anything at all. Just ask Alice. Hesed is a word that is hard to pin down, hard to define. Actually, I would go so far as to say that it transcends definition. Just as the one who is full of hesed defies any definition that we can give. Scripture is God's work in putting what is beyond words into words that we can understand. When we study words in or out of the Bible, one of the first things that we do is look at the etymology or the history of the word. Hesed is a word that can be frustrating to anyone attempting to research its history. Some dictionaries will tell you that its etymology is uncertain. They don't know where it came from. Others state that the word is derived from Hasid, or stork, even though there's no mention of the stork in the Hebrew Talmud or in the Mishnah. Storks are listed in the law as one of the unclean animals the Israelites were to avoid, but that really doesn't help us. The best way to get a bit of a grasp on the meaning of Hesed is by looking at the context in which it's used. What did it mean to the writer at the time, and what words are with it? And that's what we're going to look at. As we go, I hope that we will begin to realize not only the depth of a single word, but the wonder of the indescribable God who wants us to know him and wants us to know how much he loves us. Hesed has been described as one of the most important theological words, and the most sacramental word in the Bible. It may have the largest range of meaning of any of the Hebrew words. Hesed occurs almost 250 times in the Hebrew Bible. 127 of those occurrences are in the Psalms alone. In the King James Version, it's translated mercy or mercies 149 times, kindness or kindly 41 times, loving kindness 25 times, and the word loving kindness was borrowed from Miles Coverdale 
It's a translation of the scripture. Favor twice, goodness, pity, good deeds, and wicked thing once. In the ESV, the word is translated steadfast love 193 times, kindness 9, kindly 6, loyalty 5, favor and love twice each, and once each for merciful beauty, righteousness, a righteous devotion, faithfulness, favor, and disgrace. Now, I don't know where disgrace and wicked thing popped up. It may be an error in translation from what I have, uh, have read. Seems like a word that has a lot of depth of meaning. None of the many words that are used to translate chesed can capture the full range of what the word means. Instead, what translators do is they use a variety of compound terms with chesed. And it's one of those words that draws other words to itself. So when you see hesed, a lot of times it will have another word there with it. The original writers, in their attempt to express what essentially is inexpressible, often used other words with hesed to convey its meaning. Sometimes the added word is joined with the Hebrew letter vav, translated and. Other times the second word is in close proximity to hesed. The eight primary words used with hesed are truth, mercy or compassion, covenant, justice, faithfulness, goodness, favor, and righteousness. Michael Carr gives us a pretty good initial working definition of hesed. When the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. When we see a parent forgive their child's murderers, that's Hesed. When a community forgives the man who killed many of their children and takes care of his widow, that's Hesed. When a Ukrainian village takes a captured Russian soldier, gives him food, and allows him to call his mother, that's Hesed. Hesed makes the news because it's an unusual break from the usual bad news of man's inhumanity to man that seems to dominate the headlines. And these stories leave us unable to explain what has happened. Where does it come from? Well, to find out, we're going to go to the Bible. This is a sermon in a church worship service. Where else would we go? The Bible reveals to us the God of Hesed. We have no right to expect anything from him. Yet he has revealed himself to us and has opened his life to us. Over and over in scripture, we see God giving himself and being rejected and wounded. Adam and Eve didn't believe God was telling them the whole truth. He reaches out to the Israelites, to Moses, and to David, only to be rejected. Israel goes into captivity because they rejected the one who gave them nothing but good. In the Gospels, we see Jesus extending himself. He calls us friends. He makes himself vulnerable. And he is abandoned and crucified. He could have just as easily abandoned us after the resurrection. But he freely gave us everything. 
As we look at what the Bible has to say about the inexpressible way that the creator of the universe has opened himself to us, we find the word hesed. As God reveals himself to Moses, to David, the other psalmists, and to the prophets, we hear the word hesed. In Exodus 33.3, Moses is broken. He's been up on the mountain, come back down. The people are having a wild party, an orgy, worshiping a golden calf. And the tablets of the law have been shattered. God has said to Moses, I will not go up with you. In the tent of meeting later, Moses says to God, you've told me to leave this, lead this people, but haven't said who is going with me. You have said that I have found favor with you. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. He then reminds God, this nation is your people. God relents to Moses' plea in verse 14. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses has found favor, and he cries out, Please, let me see your glory. The next morning, Moses obeys God's instructions to carve out two new tablets and starts back up Mount Sinai. As Moses is enveloped by the cloud of God's presence, he is about to have revealed to him who God is in essence, is. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, in the Hebrew it's Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. God repeats his name twice here. It's a name that the Jewish people would not write or speak. The Lord, the Lord. Moses had heard this name back at the burning bush. The name could be translated, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. There are some Jewish scholars who state that this is not the actual personal name of God, but it's a definition of what that unspeakable name means. Then the Lord lists his personal attributes. In Judaism, they're called the 13 attributes of mercy. And the first three are, at the beginning, the Lord, the Lord, and God. As we look at them, notice that the first defining word after the names of God is not what you might think. The first word that defines the essence of God is not holiness, and it's not power. It's compassion or mercy. Compassion is often paired with hesed. It's linked to the Hebrew word for womb, picturing the love that a parent has for their helpless baby. I think even here, God is giving us a little bit of a picture of himself as father. 
The second word is the Hebrew word hen, or grace and favor. It's also a word that is linked with hesed many times. It carries the idea of finding favor with. Both Noah and Moses are described as having found favor with God. The third way that God describes himself is slow to anger. Now, that's not how many would describe the God of the Old Testament, who is often described as an angry God. A compassionate and gracious person would not be one who is easily angered. And this theme is repeated throughout the Old Testament. The fourth word is a word that appears in association with hesed more than any other word. It can be translated true, reliable, dependable, or trustworthy. In John 1.14, John speaks of Jesus as full of grace and truth. There's an echo here of this verse, this word. Next, God speaks of himself as forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin. This speaks of God taking the load of these sins upon himself. And this is what we do when we forgive someone. In a sense, we are taking the load on ourselves by taking it from them. In the last part of verse 7, God states that he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Well, sometimes chesed and justice come together. God is merciful and gracious, yet at the same time, he is a God of justice. Although I don't think we totally understand how different God's justice is from what we think of as justice. And this tension between perfect justice and hesed is throughout the Old Testament. We'll see it as we, as we look at different verses. Moses has asked to see God's glory, and God has shown him the nature of that glory. Moses responds by worshiping and asking for something he knows that he and the people don't deserve. Please, go with us. He knows that the people are stubborn and rebellious, and that he himself is not worthy. But now he knows the true nature of God through this revelation of Hesed. He makes his request on the basis of that. Remember, Moses grew up in Egypt. The children of Israel were in Egypt. They saw the worship of all of the Egyptian gods and how you had to do certain things a certain way or those gods might kill you. They might kill you anyway because they felt like it. He has seen the true nature of a different God, the true God. Moses is asking for Hesed because he knows he can. Moses goes down the mountain and there's something different about him this time. His face glows, reflecting the glory of the compassionate, gracious God. In the second book of Chronicles, we see the dedication of the temple that Solomon has built. Chapter 6, 
Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 14. Solomon says, There is no God like you in heaven or on earth who keeps his covenant of Hesed. Throughout his long prayer, Solomon states that this covenant will be in place when individuals sin, when there is drought, famine, or pestilence, or when Israel is attacked by their enemies. This covenant of Hesed will continue no matter what. And even the foreigner, the Gentile, is included. Throughout the book of Second Chronicles, the formula is repeated. Give thanks to the Lord, for his hesed endures forever. In Isaiah 55, 3, God tells the prophet, I will make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the hasud, literally the hesed's of David. David could be called the poster boy of Hesed. His relationship with Jonathan is a prime example. Jonathan was faithful to David, even as David rose to prominence. Jonathan was essentially next in line to be the king. David didn't have any right to expect anything from him. But instead of seeing David as a rival, Jonathan found a faithful friend up to the end of his life. And Jonathan was a faithful friend. David was faithful to Jonathan. It's one of the characteristics of Hesed called reciprocity. Because you're receiving Hesed, you give Hesed. When a relationship is established, there is that mutual hesed between the two parties. In the book of Joshua, Rahab asks for and receives hesed because she had shown hesed to the spies. David showed hesed to Mephibosheth because his father Jonathan showed hesed to David. Now, after David sinned by sleeping with Bathsheba and then having her husband murdered, he wrote Psalm 51. Some scholars believe that David wrote this psalm while he was pleading for God to spare his, his child. In verse 1, David prays, Be gracious to me, God, according to your hesed, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. All through the Hebrew Scriptures, God's people are asking him to have mercy on them, because of his hesed. You might think that the prophets are all about God's anger and judgment. On the contrary. Prophets tell us of the God who is himself hesed. In Jeremiah 3.12, God proclaims, I am hesed. Jeremiah captures the tension between hesed and justice very well in his uh, in his book. In chapter 32, verse 18, the prophet says to God, You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the parents' sins into the laps of their children after them. In chapter 33, verse 11, he speaks of the time when there will be sounds of joy and gladness, and people will bring offerings into the temple, saying, Give thanks to the Lord God Almighty, for the Lord is good. 
his hesed endures forever. Now the book of Hosea was written to reveal to the nation of Israel their sins and their abandonment of their God and their embrace of idols. To picture this, God had told Hosea to marry a prostitute named Gomer and to father children by her, knowing full well that she was going to be unfaithful. In chapter 10, verse 19, Hosea tells Gomer that he will take her to be his wife in righteousness, justice, love, the word there is hesed, and compassion. Throughout the book, Gomer leaves Hosea. He goes out and finds her, loves her, brings her back, and he continually shows her compassion, hesed, and love. God speaks to his people through Hosea's actions. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says that there is no truth, no hesed, in the land. In chapter 6, verse 4, God says that the people's hesed is like the morning mist, which easily disappears. Doesn't sound like people that are very um, worthy of love. Two verses later, he tells the people that he desires hesed and not sacrifice. And later in the New Testament, Jesus twice quotes this verse. And when Jesus quotes it, the Greek word is eleos, which is the Septuagint translation of the Hebrew word for mercy or hesed. And then in chapter 10, verse 12, God tells Israel to sow righteousness for themselves and to reap hesed. In 12.6, he tells them to maintain hesed and justice and always put their hope in him. And there is a lot more through, through the New Testament. The Psalms, the Psalms of Lament, all but one, I think it's Psalm 88. At some point, the Psalm turns from lament to praise. And when it turns from lament to praise, that word hesed is right there, which is why the psalmist can, can do that. Jesus, I'm sorry, in the New Testament, we have to look a bit harder to find hesed. There's no direct equivalent in the Greek. We can gain some clues by the way that the Septuagint Greek translate the Old Testament, the words that correlate with hesed. And we also see some characteristics of hesed in phrases such as grace and truth, speaking of Jesus. And on the confidence in God's character, which allows a person to ask for something they do not deserve. Like the Canaanite woman who asked for her daughter to be healed. She didn't deserve that. But she somehow knew of God's hesed, his mercy. Jesus speaks of the reciprocity of Hesed. In Matthew 5, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In chapter 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Same chapter, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. And in chapter 18, verse 33, shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
We extend mercy and forgiveness, not to manipulate some sort of give and take system, but because we have received God's mercy and forgiveness. And we act out of gratitude to him. We don't forgive to be forgiven. We forgive because we are forgiven. There's no quid pro quo. God forgives you because you forgave. Um, If that was the case, we would all be in serious trouble. In Luke 10, a religious leader asked Jesus, which commandment is the greatest? Jesus asked him, what does the law say? The man correctly answers, love God with all your soul, and so on. And then he adds, thinking he's going to really make himself look good here, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replies, do this and you will live. So the neighbor then tries to justify himself by asking, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells the story of a man who was robbed and beaten on the road to, uh, between Jerusalem and Jericho. The story is familiar to us. After two religious leaders passed by the man, a Samaritan, who the Jews hated, by the way, came by and took care of the man. Jesus then asked the scribe which man was the neighbor to the wounded man. The scribe couldn't even bring himself to say Samaritan. So he said, the one who showed him mercy. The Greek word there corresponds to hesed. So Jesus replies, well, you go and do the same. In Luke 6, Jesus tells us that we should love, show hesed to, our enemies, because God loves, shows hesed to his enemies. Verse 35, he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Back to the Old Testament real quick. In Micah 6, 8, God sums up what he wants from us. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy, hesed, and to walk humbly with your God? As a congregation right now, as a family, we're going through some deep waters. We've had to say goodbye. To our beloved sister. It's hard. It's okay to grieve. Because. We will sorely miss her. She had a huge impact. On our lives. As individuals and as a church. And. Honestly. It seems like. She left us too early. Too soon. And there is an ache in our hearts that will never completely go away. You don't get over it. You get through it, but you don't get over it. But, but, Audrey belongs and we belong to the Almighty God who is full of Hesed, who gives us so much that we don't deserve because of Christ, who is Himself. We can trust him 
no matter what. We grieve, yes, but we grieve with, with hope because we know without a shadow of a doubt that we will see Audrey again completely whole in the new creation. At the ultimate feast where the bread doesn't have to be gluten-free. <laughs> Grieve that Audrey is gone for a while. At the same time, rejoice that she is with Jesus, fully experiencing the hesed of the Father and waiting for us to get there. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? Let's pray.